the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 361. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Greg Hutana. Welcome along, Greg. Great to have you back on the show. Now, for those who haven't uh, caught you on the New Zealand Tech Podcast before, you better remind them where you fit into this world of, uh, of technology. I'm the services manager here at Gorilla Technology, and uh, I've been hanging around for a little while now, but it's always a pleasure and a joy to be back on the show. Well, thank you for uh, for joining me this week. Now, a fair bit to a fair bit to chat through. Uh, first up, because we didn't have a normal show last week, we didn't get a chance to really dive in and discuss this new thing called Vodafone TV. Uh, I've had a bit of discussion in, in some of the mainstream uh, media about it, but in, in terms of uh, in terms of discussing it on the podcast, well, that sort of slipped by. So I thought we should just sort of roll back and um, and, and give that a little bit of an overview. So the, the highlights are that basically uh, Vodafone are taking the box that they're already selling in uh, Italy and in Spain, and they're making that available in New Zealand. This is a little set-top box. Doesn't need a satellite dish as is normal for uh, for Sky today. It requires a fiber internet connection. Now, either the uh, a traditional ultra-fast or an ultra-fast broadband connection uh, or FiberZone FiberX, which is, um, that's Vodafone's FiberX, which is, really, it's, it's a cable uh, TV and internet type, uh, type connection. Uh, but, you know, internet uh Internet connectivity is what really enables this new set-top box, and it delivers all of the sort of usual things that people uh, expect from Sky, but it's delivering it from the cloud, over the internet, over a high-speed link, and not only does it give Sky, it's got uh, the 3 Now app for you know TV3 or 3's content on demand. Uh, coming soon is the same for TVNZ. And it has a Netflix app as well. And they've told me, uh, talking to uh, to Matt, Matt, Matt Williams, uh, you know, who's, who heads up uh, Vodafone's consumer side, uh, you know, he tells me that, look, they're very open to having other apps on there. So it would be quite possible that they would ultimately have, uh, you know, the Amazon uh, app for watching Amazon content uh, and even the, uh, the the competitions app. Um, so potentially they could have light, the Lightbox app uh, from Spark on that set top box in the future. Um, so it's it's a pretty interesting approach. It looks like a nice uh, user interface, a user experience. What we don't know yet is the price. Uh, it will basically come bundled with a particular plan from Vodafone and you're going to have to commit to a 12 or 24 month term. And also we've heard word that um, although Vodafone had, you know, previously details had come out about Vodafone uh, doing um, a a separate deal on their own uh, technology platforms, it looks as though they may well also be uh, licensing this technology from Vodafone so that they can sell it. So there's certainly some good in this because Vodafone's platforms have been um, somewhat archaic. Their internet offerings have been unreliable. Um, sorry, um, Sky's 
um, video offering or TV offerings have been somewhat uh, archaic and not not really up to the play. Um, but this looks like something that could work. Greg, what's your thoughts? Is this something you'd be interested in? Well, I was talking to my mum about it on the weekend because we've got Sky currently and we're talking about the changes, if they change the licensing arrangements with the All Blacks and so on. And I said to her, well, there's this new technology come out which would integrate these things through through technology and, and um, through fibre, which we have at our house. So she was very interested, but, you know, she's old school and she's like, oh, but does that mean we have to do X, Y, and Z? And I don't know, and I don't know. So... You know, for now we stay on the same old, same old, which is... Well, the ease of use, I think, is the exciting thing about mm. this because, you know, you've got one one remote, you even control it from your phone. Uh, so you've got this, you know, nice single view that will give you access to what you need. Now, of course, there are people like me that use a lot more than uh, just Netflix and so it actually doesn't carry those other apps. So it's, it's not quite the, the one place for everything. But, but Net- Netflix is be. what... The conversation came up about because my brother turned up saying, "Oh, you guys should get Netflix so you can watch the new Voyager," and, and so that's where the conversation started around Netflix, which is pretty much the modern conversation when it comes to the whole Sky, you know, because it's like, well, Netflix is only fifteen dollars a month. That's what the same conversation I always hear. So. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of started this conversation around this. Technology. But you're on one of these discounted, uh, you yeah, know, Sky plans. You cancelled, and they convinced you to come back on with, with one of their low, lower cost. Yeah. Uh, offerings, and you know, I think from um, from Sky's perspective, the big thing here is they're getting people locked into one or two year contracts, and when they're losing customers at a rapid rate, uh, that's pretty good. And look, if it does give you a really seamless, easy to use experience, then yeah, I think you know a bunch of people will be interested. There's Obviously, lots of other options in the market for watching content, but Sky is certainly right now, and for uh, you know, for for the you know the, the next couple of years or so, uh, is a pretty key place to go to get your sports. So, uh, yeah, they you know they they may be hitting the market at a at a reasonable uh, mm. time. Obviously, the longer they leave it before they get these uh, uh, digital offerings in place, then the more uh, market share they they're going to uh, they're going to lose. So. I think it's a it's a positive step forward. Mm. Uh, we'll be interested to see the pricing, and I imagine, Greg, for uh, for you, if you're on some sort of discounted plan, uh, that this would be a big big step up, probably in in cost. Mm. Uh, so that's one but of the, one the of the considerations. For us is that we have fibre at the house, so there's options. Whereas you know, not everyone's got it at the moment. So so I'm interested in you know, the application of the fibre and what we can do with it versus you know the current current state of our in-house technology so that'll be interesting to see yeah yep. if I can convince my mum of change there you, there you go there you go um, now talking of um, other things on the new technology uh, front uh, Windows 10 the full creators update or Redstone 3 is here which if you've listened to the episode uh, that was was delayed but the episode with uh, Donna Saka uh, where we, we spoke uh, during uh, Microsoft Ignite uh, 2017 uh, that should be on your um, on your device now. So if you've missed that episode, uh, look out for that one. We talk a little bit about the new uh, new Windows uh, 10 version that uh, is now rolling out really to uh, to anyone with a Windows 10 device. And of course, lots of our listeners will be uh, part of the Windows Insider program, which Donna Saka uh, leads. And so they will have had access to it for uh, for quite some time. And it, it's certainly you know a great way to get a bit of a preview. On what is uh, coming up for the for the general public, lots and lots of things in there. 
Um, and we, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we'll dive into uh, dive into them now because most most people will have will have had a good uh, a good view on that. Um, but just you know, a couple of things that I quite like uh, is the ability if you're using uh, Microsoft's OneDrive, you now have that files on demand capability. Uh, so if you've got uh, documents stored in the cloud, uh, then Microsoft allow you basically to uh, to access that whole lot and just have have some of them on your device and some of them in the cloud uh, but they but it appears as though they're all there and uh, when they're not they just stream down um, over the internet that's uh, that's pretty slick and very useful in businesses for those uh, that have got into the office 365 and and uh, SharePoint and um, you know OneDrive for uh, for business world then uh, yeah that's a, a great capability uh, another thing is just an improvement in terms of working with uh, with stylus and, and pen input uh, that thing just goes from uh, that area is going from uh, from strength to strength um, although it's fair to say that um, it's probably not heavily utilised now, people sort of handwriting on their screens, but it's nice to see that uh, getting easier. Microsoft, of course, have been uh, offering varying forms of pen input for uh, must be uh, oh, well, closer to two decades than it is to one now. Um, so, yeah, some good good steps forward. Um, Greg, what do you think of using a stylus with the with a computer? Is that uh, is that something that sort of appeals to you? Well, I, I I try it on my little laptop, which is just a basic. Basic, I can take the screen off and I can scribble on it. But I found it to be a little bit frustrating because I like everything to be very neat and tidy. So I'm having to come to terms with the idea of it not looking perfect when I write it. But um, I know even with the Samsung product with the stylus with the new phone my brother just the note swears 8, yeah. by it yeah he loves it and just having the tangible that he can touch to the screen is what i think sells him and probably millions of others on that particular device so there's obviously you know a market for that um with the right type of people but um yeah i mean i, I do use it sometimes but not a lot because i like i say I, I like things to be nice and tidy and it kind of like oh <laughs> <laughs> you know so yeah. There, yeah, this is something to be said for using uh, using a keyboard too. Um, now on to uh, on to other topics. Now Uber seem to uh, get get lots and lots of media, um, but we've heard that uh, Lyft has just raised a billion US dollars in uh, in new capital, um, based around an eleven billion dollar valuation. Um, I don't quite know what's going on with the. Uh, Uber's valuation uh, last time, you know, we heard was was north of sixty billion, uh, so a whole heap more than uh, than Lyft being uh, being really their main competitor, certainly in the in the US market. Um, so yeah, it's quite uh, quite quite an interesting uh, quite an interesting one. Uh, last time round that Lyft was raising money was six hundred million dollars uh, that they raised at a valuation of seven point five billion. That was just back in April. So in just six months, uh, they've uh, they've bumped bumped up um, to an eleven uh, eleven billion dollar uh, valuation. Um, that that is a post money valuation which which means it includes uh it includes that one uh one one billion so it would have been uh, you know 10 billion um prior to uh to that that capital and then the extra billion uh puts them up at that 11 billion dollar uh, uh 
valuation. So it is going to be rather interesting to see where all of this goes. Um, Lyft have also recently uh, confirmed a uh, partnership with uh, Waymo, which of course is part of Google or Alphabet as we call them uh, now, and that's the uh, the division that's been working for many, many years uh, on uh, self-driving or autonomous uh, vehicle technology. And uh, they've been in, in court battles, of course, with, uh, with Uber. So, yes, this is, uh, is very, very interesting to see. It seems Lyft are uh, establishing more and more partnerships. But it looks like they're working hard in their market there, Paul. If you look at the information here, it talks about at the start of 2017, they had a 54% coverage. And now they're up to ninety five percent. So in less than a year, they're of really the population, of yeah. the population. They're really pushing hard, and obviously at a time when their competitor is going through some stuff, which obviously you know assists that growth. Um, plus the effort, they've obviously decided to really push this year. But I mean, that's pretty incredible to go from you know half the population to nearly the whole population in less than a year. I mean, that's. Yeah, they, they tend to do. Uh, they tend to do reasonably well, um, and and you know most areas of uh, of the US, they, as far as I'm aware, are still limited to to just the US market. Or there've been varying rumours and bits and pieces about them coming into other markets such as New Zealand, but we haven't actually uh, seen anything of that uh, to date. And something that a lot of not not a lot of people realise is that. Um, what has really made uh, Uber popular is this UberX service, which is their their low cost service. Uh, that you know, in in most uh, cases, is people that aren't certified to be uh, uh, to be you know taxi drivers and so on. And uh, this concept actually started uh, with Lyft. So it was it was Lyft that uh, that really initiated the concept, but uh, Uber uh, UberX really uh, really popular popularized it um and uh you know it's it's uber that have obviously become a much more valuable business um but with uh, uber's varying woes we uh we're set for some pretty uh pretty interesting times ahead i think it's uh it's mm. it's fair to say uh now there, there is another um another story related to autonomous uh vehicle technology and it's, and uh and its impact on insurance which maybe we'll uh, we'll dive into now, and um, this is something I wasn't aware of before, but it's been around for um, since earlier on this year. Is that uh, Tesla in some markets, uh, including according to their website, um, New Zealand, from uh, from what I can uh, see, um, are uh, are offering this insure my Tesla insurance program. And what it's designed to do is really um, benefit from the safety features that are that are built into uh, the the Tesla, the autopilot capabilities, which really reduce the uh, the risk. And I think there was uh, um, one report in the US where they said uh, this reduced, uh, or the the yeah the the Tesla uh, autopilot technology. Reduced the uh, the risk of accident uh, in Tesla vehicles since it came out by about forty percent. So when you th- when you think about that, it's fair enough that you should be paying a lower premium on your insurance if you've got a um, Tesla uh, vehicle uh, that has um, got the the autopilot um, you know safety uh, cap- capabilities. 
What's your what's your thought on um, on this idea? Do you think the whole market is going to have to uh, going to have to move down? I mean, is there even a, a market for insuring uh, consumer vehicles in the future? I guess that really comes down to whether everyone ditches ditches their vehicles and uh, um, and goes with 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 ride sharing. Right? It's going to be uh, it's going to be a very different model anyway. But I think the car insurance industry has been changing its process anyway in the last five ten years. So you know they're offering kind of more like an intimate package for you, especially because your car's parked here, there, and everywhere. Trying to find ways to to make it seem like you're getting value. You know, because you're special, you do certain things, and we'll take a, a cut off for this, that, and every other thing. And so, Tesla, it's basically. Well, we've had one company in like, New Zealand that's uh, that's pushed that pretty hard, but they they haven't had a lot of good good coverage. No, not a lot of good press on uh, You know, they've um, you know they they haven't say one uh, thing to another. Haven't haven't maybe disclosed the, the the full picture of how they brought the discounts, but you know as we move into this world where where the technology pieces are sort of monitoring everything you do, um, I mean you won't have to go and fill out an application and tell them all the data. Uh, you maybe run something on your phone or on your vehicle uh, that would actually feed it back to them, so they'll know what your movements are. Do you regularly break the speed limits? Uh, you know what parts of town are you That's driving right. around, and what you know what percentage of the um you know of the day do you spend driving and yeah they would be able to weigh those things up and some people might end up with much higher premiums because we're balancing them out across the board at the moment uh and in other cases i guess they would they would come down if you're not using your vehicle much and it's parked uh somewhere nice and safe yeah and as as anyone who who drives for a living knows currently you you quite you know there is a lot of observation going on with cameras for the situation of an accident but you know, there's also visuals coming into the cab to see what's going on in there in the case of an accident to see that, you know, that you're doing your job and not, you know, doing things you shouldn't be. So, you know, insurance is always trying to find a way uh, <laughs> to come across fair and <laughs> while they take all your money away. But I think this is kind of cool saying that, look, the technology is such that, you know, we're backing our technology and saying that it's going to reduce and therefore you, sh- you deserve a return on the investment and the technology to start with. So it is it is kind of a cool deal, I think. Um, you know, and that sends a kind of cool message going forward to, you know, those coming through the ranks that don't currently have to worry about such things that, hey, invest in technology and it, and it has rewards straight off the bat as opposed to traditional, you know, vehicles where you you know you drive it you crash it or whatever there's no assistance it's just you and the circumstance so i, I think it's quite cool for a tesla to do that mm. so they and they're partnering up with uh with local firms so in new zealand it's with uh with vero and if you find the details on their website you know there's a local um 0800 number and an email address of insure my tesla at vero.co.nz uh, who are obviously handling it uh, i don't locally. know if i'm seeing the same teslas over and over but it feels like i'm seeing more on the roads currently yeah, yeah, it was interesting actually. Uh, my son, my son uh, Pablo, who's is nearly seven, he seems to have a quite a fascination with uh, with Teslas, and uh, we we talked about it when we went out. Um, it was either yesterday or the day day before. Um, we went out for a drive and uh, do some bits and pieces, and you know, as as we were driving, we discussed what the chances were of of seeing a Tesla on the road. 
and you know we know you don't it's not a very high percentage of vehicles but uh, just as we were heading home we saw a, a model s uh, right uh, right beside us and uh, and it came came off the motorway uh, near near us so um yeah he quite enjoyed seeing that but uh yeah you do see a bit more but there's still uh, still a, a reasonably uh, yeah, reasonably small percentage of certainly not of vehicles norm. on the road um are either electric or or um um you know the smaller subset of that being um, uh, being t- Teslas um, or even you know even the hybrids. Are, uh, I mean they're they're growing reasonably well. Mm. Uh, now on to um, on to other other topics. Um, look, we've been sent a whole lot of gadgets lately, and we're going to try and cover those in uh, in some upcoming uh, episodes. One of the uh, one of the ones that I I did want to mention um, Samsung's. Um, Portable SSD uh, T5, and um, this looks kind of like a mini external uh, hard drive, um, but it's it's purely SSD, uh, solid state drive, uh, rather than the old school sort of uh, you know spinning uh, hard drive. And these are really fast. We had a little bit of a play around. Comes with um, uh, with a, a cable so you can plug it into a USB um, C uh, device, be it a um, laptop or a MacBook or something that's USB C, and with a full size uh, USB three uh, connector and um, yeah, boy, this thing is is really really fast, and I quite like. You can actually, you know, if you're using a, uh, a smartphone that's got a lot of storage, you've done a lot of video or something on there, um, you can actually uh, plug it straight into uh, into a smartphone as well, and be pulling off, uh, you know, pulling off your videos or your, or your photos uh, onto external drive. The use case I think for a, for an external drive these days. Um, is certainly a lot less than what it used to be because, of course, we tend to synchronise our information back up to the cloud. But um, one time where I would find it extremely helpful is when I'm travelling and particularly when um, when I'm off the beaten track or away from uh, high-speed uh, internet and just the ability to, uh, you know, to back up important content that you might be uh, you know creating or, or capturing while you're in terms of videos and photos I think is um, is a is a great uh, is a great use case um, I do like the write-up Paul it says the t5 is a spectacular piece of storage hardware and an undeniable success for this is the tech, tech radar review. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they... they uh, yeah, they're yeah. Really very highly. Yeah, they're, they're very impressed with it. And, you know, I mean, I've got to say that really the the only downside um, you know, that I saw is these these things are, uh, are reasonably pricey. There's a, a range of different uh, models uh, from... I think they start at um, uh, two, 250 uh, gigs and go up to, uh, up to two terabytes... Uh, but yeah, that's the the nature of solid state um, storage. Is it does tend to be uh, tend to be uh, pretty pricey, basically. So uh, yeah, yeah. There's always a downside when you're using the uh, the best of technology, right? Well, you have to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. You yep. want the good stuff, you pay for it. Yeah. Um, now a few other things we will be talking about in an upcoming episode. Um, some some little uh, robots that um, been uh, been having a look at. Uh, been having a look at some of the technology from um, a company called uh, Anki. 
um, out of the US, their Cosmo robot. Me and Pablo have been playing around with this little Cosmo robot uh, at home, and that's certainly uh, certainly a bit of fun. Uh, they're retailing here for about three hundred and sixty dollars. So uh, again, a, a pretty uh, premium uh, purchase. Uh, but this is a fun little uh, little robot that you can learn to interact with. Um, it's also po- possible to uh, to program it. We haven't got into uh, to that stage uh, yet. And um, yeah, it, it sort of learn learns as it goes. gets gets to know you. Um, it's got facial recognition. So at the moment we've uh, we've got it set so it recognises Pablo. It recognises me. Uh, we can certainly. I think you can add um, add maybe one or one or two more faces that it will recognise. It's got this uh, cute little uh, voice and uh, um, eyes that move around on its uh, on its little sort of little green screen. Um, the voice is is very uh, roboty. Um, so at first, uh, Pablo didn't recognise that it was actually saying his name uh, until it sort of said, um, uh, you know, uh, called me dad and and uh, and called him sort of Pablo soon after, and he he realised what it was saying. Um, but it, yeah, it is uh, it is cute and it's a bit of fun. There's varying games uh, that you can play with it as well uh, and play against it. So. Yeah, really uh, quite a fun piece of technology. And yeah, I think it's great to see um, you know, robotics becoming uh, becoming more mainstream and more uh, accessible. Uh, the other robot, which I think has just arrived, because there's a huge box that's, uh, that's arrived just outside, uh, just outside the, the studio. Uh, and I think that's the new, uh, Meca- or it's not brand new, but uh, Meccano. Uh, they've got a bunch of um, you know of robots that you can basically build, and uh, they've sent one of those across. And I guess as we sort of start heading towards uh, Christmas, this is the the time of year when uh, those those companies certainly want to want to show off uh, what they've got from uh, from a, a, a technology perspective. And certainly for me, I'm really interested in. And technology that will encourage uh, youngsters to be learning, and so the idea of uh, of playing around with uh, robots, both uh, you know, I'm pretty, I'm sure, pretty enthralling uh, for for most people, uh, but also an opportunity to learn at the at this at the same time. We were watching on TV last night with Mum. Robot Wars out of England, it looked like the program was. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, of course, the kids operate the robots, but you could see the dads and the you know the, the entourage behind the kids who are obviously helping to build or maintain these robots. But it was fascinating, and it was packed. And I said to mum, this is probably, you know, for this generation, the sports of the future will be this kind of format. Um, you know, you can go on any time of the day and there'll be platform games live on you know, millions of people watching from around the world on on any any online presence now, um, and that's what they watch instead of TV. They'll they'll be watching a shoot 'em up game with the best players in the world in competition and robots and you know just that whole thing. But um, yeah, destruction robots is the way to go, eh, Paul? Oh, good fun, good good fun <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if you can do a bit of damage and not actually hurt somebody, uh, yeah, there's. Uh, yeah, there's some there's some good sides to that, and it's a bit more fun than just watching uh, watching a cartoon or something, right? Um, now, um, I guess also on this area of uh, autonomous vehicles that we chatted about before, um, yeah, forgot forgot to mention some news had come through from. Uh, 
in NVIDIA um, who have been talking about their uh, Pegasus um, self, self-driving um, car technology. And basically they're, they're saying that their new supercomputer um, is really geared up to enable the highest uh, level of autonomous uh, driving. And so there's been, uh, yeah, been some interesting news sort of shared on this. And, you know, we're, we're really seeing uh, things progressing. And so this, this new platform is going to, um, you know, going to really enable that, that top level uh, or level five autonomy where basically everything um, in its entirety can be handled over uh, to the technology to drive your vehicle. Uh, whereas at the moment, uh, you know, most of the autonomous stuff we've got um, is is at a lower lower level, sort of level 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 three, for instance. Um, so, yes, exciting to see the you know the, I guess the raw sort of grunt power that that's needed um, in terms of delivering the artificial in, intelligence and and the capabilities for um, you know for vehicles just to uh, take over that entire driving experience. Is that something you're looking forward to? Absolutely. Absolutely. It says here, it talks about being able to deliver over 320 trillion operations per second. I mean, how can we compete with that, Paul, honestly? We can't. I don't know. Our brains are, pre- our brains are pretty capable. I think our he- like, we do a pretty what? good job of driving right now. Yes, as long as we're looking forward and it's all happening in front of us. There, there are a few challenges there. We don't have eyes in the back of our heads. You're right. Um, yeah, so... Uh, when you yeah when you, when you look at something that is purpose built for uh, for that purpose of driving and all of this research and time and processing power and then you know hookups to the cloud to maps uh, all of that yeah I think yeah, of course the technology will do a much better job of, of driving than us and you know we already heard that uh, that figure around uh, Tesla autopilot being uh, being so much. Uh, safer than humans for for driving already so yeah i think we've got certainly got a lot to uh, a lot to look forward to uh, there and um yeah i hope we'll still be able to you know drive when we want to for a bit of fun as well yeah i, th- I think that's the difference so in the future if you choose to drive it's because you're having a fun moment as opposed to going to work coming home from work just the drudgery of driving there's nothing cool about that especially in a town like auckland uh, as opposed to we were talking about the uh, today with one of the young engineers when you're traveling in australia you've got great expansive roads so you know you get into the the feeling of it and it's you know you it, it becomes an event whereas some place can like be a auckland, bit boring though on some well, of those can roads be, but as well you know, there's journeys. a lot going on whereas in auckland you're just going home and you know there's not it's not a long enough journey to actually get in, involved with the journey so it just becomes a real mundane affair so mm, mm. Oh, yeah i'm looking forward to it so time to talk about smartphones now this week a couple that i wanted to cover first up huawei they have i guess finally confirmed uh, the details of their new mate 10 phones and these really do fall in the category of phones that uh, that do take on uh, samsung and apple and sort of other other top players but yeah i guess they're more focused on uh, on taking on Samsung certainly uh, than they are in terms of taking on uh, Apple. I think it's uh, it's you know it's fair to say that 
most people that are iPhone users tend tend to be reasonably dedicated to that platform. But I mean, every time something cool comes out uh, from the Android side, or the price is super competitive, there are people that always look right. Mm. Um, now, so the, the, I guess the key thing with the Mate 10 and the Mate 10 Pro, nice big screens, 5.9 inch and 6 inch uh, screens respectively, edge to edge display, look like they've got superb uh, cameras again. Uh, I saw mentioned a f1.6 uh, Leica um, lens, uh, which should be really good for, uh, for low light photography and so on. Um, yeah, the, the specifications on these are, uh, uh, are very much at the, uh, at the high end. So looking forward to getting hands-on, getting all the, the local details, which uh, I'm sure uh, is not too far away. In fact, that might even be this, uh, this week. So that'll be interesting to see, uh, to see how they go. Of course, uh, Huawei have, have uh, you know, moved up very quickly in the, uh, the smartphone ranks, number three brand in the world. And earlier on the year, they even um, were ahead of Apple for a little while uh, in terms of uh, sales. I think that was uh, that was June, mostly as consumers are sort of sitting there waiting for uh, new iPhones to be uh, to be announced. But you can see, Paul, that Huawei has been working really hard in the marketplace to you know increase its share. Um, it obviously you know works very hard to to increase its price point. Uh, might have been a period of time there where they were discounting to really push into the market, but you can kind of see, observing from the outside, that they're working really hard to get the value back into that purchase because the product itself is really, you know, stands on its own two feet. It looks like a pretty slick absolutely. product, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I'm 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 looking forward to this sort of competition continuing. Now. Another product I want to talk about from a smartphone perspective, I want to look at one at the lower end of the market. And we talked about the, the Nokia 8, their new uh, Android uh, handset um, in recent recent weeks. Well, in New Zealand, they've launched the Nokia 3, the Nokia 5, the Nokia 6, and the Nokia 8. And they start at the $199 uh, price point. They've done an exclusive deal with, uh, with Spark um, up to that $999 price point. So I was curious, how about the, these in-between, their lower-cost phones, how do, they actually, uh, how do they actually stack up? Well, I've been having a little bit of a look at the Nokia 3, which is the $199 handset. And really my interest in this is for um, those who are wanting a basic Android handset that they can rely on uh, that they know is likely to get security updates. I mean, this is very important uh, for businesses and organisations to to get good quality devices into uh, hands of their their staff. Um, but you know, most of us have got family members that don't all need uh, a top end smartphone as well, and that's where I really. F- Felt that uh, the Nokia three uh, could be quite a good, uh, quite a good option. And I, whilst I've only had uh, only had a quick play with it uh, so far, um, it does look as though it's um, you know it's pretty pretty reasonable for uh, um, for the money. Bearing in mind you've got this sort of uh, um, steel surround to it, which does make it uh, feel like a, a premium handset. Uh, it does have a plastic uh, back, um, but it has yeah it has a really strong tough uh, tough feel to it. Now it's not going to have the same sort of high end uh, features as 
as a lot of the other uh, phones. But look, it's got 16 gigs of storage. You can expand it uh, with a micro SD. You've got an 8, eight megapixel uh, camera on there. Um, yeah, it's it's nothing like what you'll see in a $1,000 phone. Uh, but the nice thing is this thing is actually getting security updates and it's not a you know a heavily sort of modded um, Android phone, which is what we often often see. So I would be much happier with these going out in an organisation than uh, virtually, well, probably any other low-end uh, Android phone that you can buy in the market right now. They they look amazing for for the price, and you know, even if you give them to your teenagers, they're not going to feel embarrassed to be seen with them because you you just can't tell that it's not a you know a nice a nice market phone that that doesn't look like a cheap lower end phone at all. No. It doesn't feel like it when you hold it either. So yeah, they've done a good job on that one. Yeah. So um yeah, we'll give this a little bit more for a run for its money and uh certainly uh you know feedback if there's any uh any oddities or concerns about it but uh overall uh, at that sort of price point i think it looks uh looks really good so um you know well well done uh, nokia and you know it's it's great to uh great to see sort of a, a an android device that uh, um is pretty reasonable at a lower uh, price point because yeah there's certainly uh they they each tend to have their own uh, their own shortcomings and you know i'm i'm sure the Nokia isn't uh, isn't perfect in in all regards, but certainly in terms of getting uh, those updates and the fact that it comes with Android seven point one point one is uh, is really good. Now, before we finish up, uh, one one other um, or two two topics that I wanted to uh, wanted to talk about. Um, Alphabet bringing burritos by drone delivery to Australia. Um, I'm a little bit curious around this. Do do they need to have a um, Uber Eats style uh, delivery to people in the in the outback, Greg? You've you've spent a fair bit of time uh, in Australia. What's uh, what's your take? Yes, I'm not too sure about that one. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Isn't it? <laughs> it is kind of cool, and and you wouldn't have too many problems with uh, air traffic around those areas because there's just nobody there. So <laughs> it would be surprising to see what kind of market would be available for such things. But uh, you know, I mean, you know, everyone's having a go at something. So good luck to them. But yeah, so this is uh, this is Project Wing, uh, which la- last year. Uh, delivered, um, flew uh, burritos into uh, Virginia Tech, and uh, yeah, now they're uh, now they're trying it in in Australia, where uh, they're much bigger journeys for people. You know, you're talking, uh, you know, f- f- the the um, uh, the information I came across mentioned they're talking about a a 40 minute round trip by car for somebody to uh, you know get to a grocery store or a restaurant. Um, so the idea of a uh, a winged uh, UAV or, or, or drone uh, basically being able to uh, get out to them and uh, deliver food uh, sounds like something that uh, that could be useful. And and of course there are other uses for this sort of stuff as well as you can imagine. Uh, you know, getting to these remote locations, you know, something like medicine might be uh, might be much more useful. Uh, and you know, look, you might test it on some uh, fun stuff that's relevant uh, to everybody every day. Uh, but you know, we've already heard of uh, of uses of uh, 
um, of you know winged winged drones and so on uh, in Africa uh, being being used in uh, healthcare type uh, mm. type situations, uh, whether it's getting sort of um, blood samples of, uh, around for testing or uh, medications and so on. But uh, look, I you know I think uh, it's it's good to see this uh, this technology being uh, being advanced. Well, we'd rather see them dropping burritos and and uh, you know things for emergencies than than other things being dropped from them than so, exploding things yeah. so you know and you can see and you know even in situations where they're going into places where you just can't get access that you know all this stuff will assist to save lives potentially and all sorts of goodies you know even dropping food um you know in, in emergency situations totally it's yeah th- that whole area is, is pretty amazing yeah. Now, um, one last uh, bit of news uh, came across. Now, this is a, a few days ago. Now, was around um, how Russia had, um, you know, caught R- Russian uh, hackers um, scouring the world for U.S. secrets. Uh, that was that was the the headline uh, from from New York, the New York Times. Um, and yeah, basically what uh, what they said was that uh, anti antivirus uh, software from uh, Kaspersky, and you know, of course, I, I spoke to uh, Eugene Kaspersky, the founder and CEO at, uh, at Kaspersky Lab uh, earlier on in, in the year. Um, that, that their software uh, was utilised to um, you know basically retrieve information. Uh, from a whole bunch of uh, um, a whole bunch of computers around the world, according to Israeli intelligence uh, officers, so some some pretty scary stuff then uh, there. Now, since that time, and of course, this has a, has a huge impact on um, on Kaspersky as a brand because you know when you when you're looking at uh, uh, antivirus, anti malware, and cyber security software, you're you know you're looking for somebody that you can trust. Uh, so this makes it very hard for uh, Kaspersky. Now they've uh, come out and and talked about transparency and bringing in third parties to. Uh, to analyse their their software, and certainly they denied any knowledge of um, or involvement in the uh, the the rushing Russian uh, hacking. Uh, and um, yeah, the, the the quote that came back from the company was Kaspersky Lab has never helped nor will help any government in the world with its cyber uh, espionage uh, efforts. Um, and so. Yeah, very uh, very interesting. A fair bit of uh, coverage of this stuff uh, online for those that are uh, interested in in cybersecurity. Uh, but you know, having met uh, uh, Eugene Kaspersky, uh, you know, fir- firsthand, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of odd, and I'm not quite sure where you know where to stand on this one. But uh, you know, I would I would tend to. Uh, uh, you know, tend to think that they're not uh, they're not making this up, and that there is some some fact behind this stuff. Um, and you know, another another thing that I uh, some coverage I I read on it, um, you know, talked about well, you know, what would you do if you were leading a company like this, and uh, you know, you were you were dealing with uh, say you know. Russian uh, government and and spy agencies putting uh, putting pressure on you uh, because there have certainly been you know cases of uh, uh, other people that have maybe gone 
against the Russian government and um, maybe haven't ended up in, in too good a state, right? Yeah, you'd hope it's not a case of guilty by association because that would be sad, you know, but yeah. that's the reality of the new world we live in. I mean, you know, everyone's kind of tainted, and you know, even if they don't deserve to be. So, you know, they're going to have to work hard to, you know, and why should they have to work hard if they haven't done anything wrong? That's That's the sadness of a situation like that. But um, yeah, that's that's business. So you just got to get on with it and do the best you can. But um, yeah, I think very smart of them to uh, mm. to say that they'll bring in you know a third party uh, to to you know analyze and and verify um, that uh, the you know their their software is is good. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting interesting one to uh, to watch and ponder. Uh, but I can't imagine right now there'd be too many governments. Around the world, that would be uh, would be feeling relaxed around having uh, Kaspersky's uh, you know, software sitting uh, on their devices um, mm. for for better or for worse. Um, so there we are. Well, that's it for uh, for us this week on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Thank you everybody for uh, for joining this episode. We'll look forward to catching you again next week. We've got some really interesting content coming up over the next few weeks and uh, some great uh, great guests as always uh, too. And uh, there may be a little bit of content uh, coming in from uh, uh, from maybe an overseas episode. So yeah, it should be a lot of uh, a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting discussion. I hope. Uh, and look, special thanks as always to uh, to our sponsor, uh, to Process Street. Greg, you're a big Process Street listener. What's uh, I'm an evangelist. So. What's, what's your favourite <laughs> thing about uh, about Process Street at the moment? Oh, the favourite thing about Process Street is that if you can create something that. Um, that you know you take ownership of yourself no matter what the company or individual and you can get others to come on board with that it just can transform your business so yeah i just love the way you can build it yourself it's not like you just take somebody else's template and then you know you're bound by that set of rules you can actually create your own your own business processes are very easy to put together absolutely and you can change it when it's necessary quite simply so I love it for that reason yep good stuff awesome Uh, well people can find Process uh, Street by going to uh, nztechpodcast.com slash Process Street Uh, you get access uh, if you decide at any point uh, to move off the free plan on the onto the paid plan uh, to an ongoing uh, lifetime 10% uh, discount by getting it through um, New Zealand Tech Podcast New Zealand Tech Podcast's affiliate link. Alright, well that's uh, that's us. Thanks everyone. Uh, I'm Paul Spain. You can catch me online uh, across the varying social networks, uh, Paul Spain uh, and if you want to get in touch directly then you're welcome to uh, from the contact page at paulspain.com uh, slash contact uh, or you can even email me paul.spain at gorillatechnology.com Greg how do people reach you? Uh, they can reach me um, just on Facebook just come through to Greg Hutana on Facebook and you'll find me there no worries. Excellent good stuff thanks awesome. everyone see ya The New Zealand Tech Podcast brought to you by Gorilla Technology proactive and strategic IT